Hi, this is David Orlovsky, and welcome to the Robert Orlovsky Show. Whether you're watching with our friends over at Tour Anytime, wherever you watch or listen to your podcast, it's wonderful to have you along. So we got some business to take care of. First, we have a sponsorship this week, sponsored by Ari and Karen. Lila Nishmas, my grandmother, Dvor Rivka Bas Rib Hillel, upon her 10th yard site. She was our family's symbol of chesed, love, and humility. What can I tell you? These days, I'm, I have the extra schus of having a lot of very, very special people who I feel a tremendous cash uh, to who are sponsoring it. And since uh, they don't want to include all of their names, I won't either. But uh, thank you. And uh, it's wonderful to hear from you. And should be Taka a Yulay Nishmas, dear grandmother. Uh, I have a little uh, letter that I got that I feel like I need to read because the person said to me specifically, please read this. <laughs> my whole family, including both my parents, my 18-year-old brother, me, I'm 16, and my younger siblings who watch sometimes when my parents do, love your style of speaking. My father commented to me today when he saw me watching your most recent Shira slash podcast, good, that he likes you, that you're real, and some other compliments that I'm sorry I don't remember. He kissed you on the screen. Now, that's very nice, because uh, there was a time in my life where people used to say I had a very slappable face. <laughs> so it's nice to have uh, Shana Putin, that, uh, that, uh, that's uh, a whole different thing. I, I usually have a lot of people who used to want to give me hugs. I don't know why there's something teddy bearish about me, I guess. <laughs> now I do the elbow bump. Um, so you should know that for all the people out there who don't like you, there are plenty of people who find you refreshing. But you know that already because you said yourself that there are plenty of serious rabbis that are trying to fill the gap. Please read this out loud on your next podcast so I know you read this and because it's very interesting when you read people's letters. <laughs> By the way, I'm laughing now just imagining how you read this. Thank you for being funny. I hear my siblings watching a Torah live video featuring uh, you where you're a sitter. We mentioned that one. It's amazing that you cater to all ages, kids, teens, and adults. Me, most people can't do that. Thank you very much. And it is true. First of all, it's only real senior citizens who get most of my jokes. <laughs> They're references from so long ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I have read uh, letters from people who are in elementary school, to high school, to uh, collegiates, uh, to young adults, young marrieds, middle-aged. What we do here is uh, something sort of universal. and. Uh, uh, I remember somebody wrote me once, they said, it must take you such a long time to prepare what you're going to say. And I said, no, usually uh, before I get in to speak, I say to my wife, well, what should I talk about? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you should talk about. So sometimes I ask my kids and sometimes somebody mentions a suggestion, you know, and sometimes I'm more inspired, sometimes I'm less inspired, but I got an email that I must share with you. Hi, Robert Alowski. Thank you for your podcast. I really look forward to it every week. I was wondering if you would consider doing a series on the Yom Naroyim Tefilos. 
there's a very good possibility that I will be davening from home this year because there's a shortage of space in shuls. Without a chazan leading the tefillahs with song and feeling, I started looking through the machzer to see how to make it meaningful on my own. And would love to hear your thoughts on some of the crucial tefillahs. And yes, I've listened to all of your shiurim on Elul that are available on Torah time. Now this touched me on a very deep level. I have eight daughters. And, um, and uh, you know, to find, in America it's different. In America you have actual shuls. Here we have a lot of apartment shuls, shtibloch, things like that. And even the regular shuls, the Ezra's Nashim is not very large. Now with Corona, where they're breaking uh, the minyanum down even smaller. In fact, it's even talk of a general shutdown here for Rosh Hashanah like they did for Pesach, which would be absolutely devastating as far as I'm concerned on a lot of different levels. But, but even the places that are going and that are going to be open, a lot of them aren't going to have an Ezra's Nashim. And, uh, and, I know from my daughters and from my wife that they gain a tremendous amount by coming to shul on Rosh Hashanah. So when I saw this, it touched me in a very, very profound way. And ad kadei kach, that I'm going to do something that I have not done in a long time, and that is I'm going to make more than one a week because we don't have that much time left to the Yom Narayim when I got this email. And I was inspired. So hopefully they'll be coming out like every two days. That's my plan to help people get ready for Rosh Hashanah because I think this is such an important and brilliant idea. So, uh, so let's get priorities straight. Okay, first things first. The most important thing on Yom Kippur is to fast. That's the most important thing. The next most important thing is to say uh, the Oshamnu and the Alchet. That's the Iker Mitzvah of the day. Everything else is secondary. The most important thing on Rosh Hashanah is to hear the Shofar. Yeah? And everything else is secondary. Now, obviously, the davening has been set up in such a way as to be able to help us accomplish what it is we're trying to do during that day. So, um, uh, so you have to prioritize. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There was a letter once in the Hamadi, I think, about a woman who said that she couldn't believe that these young mothers come to shul with their little kids. The little kids are making noise. They're interrupting. She said, when I had little kids, I stayed home with my kids and I took care of them. I didn't go to shul. He says, I had somebody in the Ezra's Nashim changing the baby's diaper right in the front of everybody. Why don't you have consideration for the people? She says, I waited till my kids were old enough that I didn't have to stay home with them, and then I went to shul. So, what can I tell you? I remember one time uh, I was diving in shul, and it was a small shul, and um, uh, this fellow came just for Kone Drake. And uh, uh, I don't know why. I don't know what his situation was. I, full disclosure, I don't have all the details. All I know is he came with a little kid. And the little kid was fetching this, and he would push past, and it was very 
backpack. He would push past me and go out and come back and go out and come back and talk and carry on. It, it killed the Nila for me. And at the end of Nila, he obviously was aware of it because at the end of Nila, he says to me, sorry, but there was nothing I could do. And I thought, sure there is. You see that guy over there? His kid was crouching. He took him outside. He davened in the hallway so that his kid wouldn't disturb anybody else. So your Iker mitzvah is to take care of your kids. That's the most important thing. And so you got to be real. you got to be real. There was a young lady who came and asked me the following question. She says, I really get a tremendous amount for the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur davening. But it was before Yom Kippur, and my sister said, listen, I got a bunch of little kids, and I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a very hard time fasting. Could you come and help me with the kids? So she asked me, and uh, she says, listen, I'm going to lose that on my whole Yom Kippur davening. Should I do that or not? I said, listen, I'm not going to pass in this. This is too serious. So I went to ask uh, somebody who, if he's not a Paisik, he has access to all the Paisikim. Without hesitating, he said, what's the question? Of course you help your sister. Yeah, he, the mitzvah ches is the eraisa, the, the, the davening is the rabbanu. What's the question? We don't, we don't always put the emphasis on the right things. So that's a bit of a problem. But... Uh, Okay, so first thing first is get your priorities straight. Okay, you don't have to say everything uh, if you can't. Gotta be real. And uh, the general, the Mishnah itself brings down, it's better to say less with Kavana than to say more without Kavana. So again, you have to be real. There are people who are not as fluent in the Yom Narayim davening. I have reached an age where Baruch Hashem, even Yom Kippur has become rote for me. Yeah? There's no, no more surprises. I know where everything is coming and how everything is going. But my daughter, when she was uh, 13 or 14, she says, I'm going to show, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where to sit. I don't know what to stand. I don't know. So, six years later, I sit down with her Arab Rosh Hashanah, Arab Yom Kippur with her machzer, and we go over. What do you say? What do you skip? What do you do? We do this for Slichos. We do this for Shad uh, Yom Kippur. I guess really one time we should do this for Slichos, but for now let's, I'm going to start focusing on Shad Yom Kippur because I just don't think we have enough time. So, um, first thing is, you have to have the tools of the trade. Remember, somebody came to my son's bar mitzvah, and um, my son was was laning the the whole parasha, and he bought him a yad. You know those those little things that are shaped like a hand with a little finger sticking out that you use to follow the place. And he said to me, um, "A professional needs his tools." And I thought that was such an interesting thing. You know. You need your tools. You have to, you have to know what works well. Um, if you've ever had to carve meat, you know that having the right knife makes all the difference in the world. 
I had a, a friend of mine who was a mashkiach in the Pesach Hotel, and he was talking about how you have to watch the chefs because uh, they like to use their own knives. And when no one's looking, they substitute them. They're used to their knife. And a particular knife is good for, this will be good for cutting this and cutting that, and there's a whole science to it. You know, Jackie Mason once said, he says, you know, he says, Gentiles, they love screwdrivers. They have regular screwdrivers. They have Philip head screwdrivers. They have electric screwdrivers. They have screwdrivers with lights on them, things that spin, things that do all kinds of things. So a Jew has a butter knife. <laughs> Walking to every Jewish home is a butter knife with a little, with a little kvetch at the end that they use. <laughs> and that's to say, if you have the right tools and you're using it in the right way, it goes a tremendous... Because there's a tremendous uh, difference. You know, I, uh, when I used to travel, you know, years ago when people used to fly, you know, so I would do a, do a lot of shopping. And uh, I used to have a little scale, a little portable scale, it's like about this big with a, with a hook that you lift up the suitcase and see exactly how much it weighs. You know, so for me, it was a good investment because I travel so much and I do a lot of shopping. And so I have to, uh, um, you know, keep track of the things. But every professional needs his, whatever his tools are. My father was friendly with a caterer. And uh, he was making a, he was making a, a Simcha's basic And he went to borrow his chafing dishes or whatever it was. And he said to my, my father would always know the story. He says, Marty? says, I will give you my car, I'll give you my house, I'll give you the shirt off my back, I'll give you my last nickel. But you can never have my, my Caleb. <laughs> I don't give my Caleb to anybody. He says, I'm responsible for the cashers of them, I take care of them, people rely on me, nothing. So, uh, so they understand if you have the right, if you have the right tools, yeah, um, I have a son who's a foodie. And, you know, what can I tell you? When I, when I used to go to America, before, when I used to go to America, years ago, when people used to fly. Right? So uh, I always would add in going to Bed, bed Bath & Beyond. I love looking at, at gadgets and, and, and stuff like that. So they had this one thing. It wasn't expensive. It was a basically a plastic stick with a little plastic X at the end. It was used for when you brown chopped meat for chopping it up. Right, to, to keep it separate. So my son sees it. Now my son is a foodie. He watches, uh, watches all these videos. He knows all about food, you know. And he says to me, uh, Elton Brown, I think that's who it was. I don't remember all the names yet. He says, I never buy a clay unless you can use it for more than one thing. That can only be used for one thing. So I wouldn't get it. So, okay. I hear it. Yeah, there's a, a concept of multitasking. It certainly is a, certainly makes sense. Yeah, but uh, but be that as it may, um, you know when you when you have the right tools, life is so much easier, right? You, you know when you have to like peel a lot of things and you don't have a good peeler, uh, life is just that much more difficult. So. If you're talking about davening or Shoshana, the first thing is you have to decide what is my machzer of choice. And 
I would say um, uh, have a few, at least two. You switch off. Yeah. I know certain Baltikeyas who have two shofars. They're blowing one shofar. If they see the it's getting stuck for them, they switch to the other one. Yeah. There's actually a fellow became a Baltikeya, and he told me that there's a guy in Bnei Brak who matches the shofar to your mouth. He looks at your mouth, he hands you a shofar, he says, blow that. He goes, nope, take this one, nope, take this one, that. So he finds his, that's your shofar. He says, it's the easiest shofar that I ever blew in my life because it was, it was designed for me. Yeah. So, uh, uh, obviously, if you have the right tools, life goes much easier. So, you need a machzer. Some people like tradition. And I have here still my old Burnbound <laughs> Machsa from uh, when I was growing up. This was the this was the this was a big step forward because before that you only had Adlers. I think I still have an Adler one. Yeah, and uh, this was a big step forward. Burnbound uh, Machsa. There was a Burnbound Sidra and a Burnbound Machsa, right? For most. Uh, modern English-speaking Jews, obviously, they use the art scroll. Now, full disclosure, I don't like the print. <laughs> I know you're not allowed to say that because they checked it out. Is an exit. I find the print very hard to, to read. Also, they have this uh, concept that I have to tell you I never really understood where they uh, suddenly write things in little dark gray windows. Let's see if I can find one for you. And I find them very difficult to read. There you go. Like Modem de Rabbanon. So it's like dark writing on a dark gray. This one's not even as dark as some of them. It's very hard. I'm an old man. <laughs> but obviously, since not everybody is conversant, particularly with the various piyutim, so the art school comes in handy. Yeah, I heard of an Adam Godol who grew up in America who said that he davens from the art school because he says, listen, I don't know what everything means in every piyut. Okay. Um, as you can see from the fact that the back binding is coming off, my uh, default machsa that I usually use is called the machsa hagra. It follows by the gra. I like it because I find the print to be large and clear. And, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I find it personally helpful. There is, of course, the standard machsa rabba. And... Uh, I will sometimes go to this just because it flows. There's a certain flow to it. It's not interrupted by commentaries and explanations. Now, a word about commentary. Uh, there are these things that are available. Um, I don't, there are different ones. I don't want to mention any by name, which is a parish on different lines in 
and a seder or a machsa. I strongly recommend against them because you're not davening, you're learning, which is a nice thing to do, but that's not what davening is. And so they go, Baruch Hashem. Elokeinu. Now, obviously, that's a person reading very quickly. <laughs> that's not davening. Whatever preparation you're going to do, you have to do beforehand. But b'shas ma'isa, you got to daven. You got to daven. Now, I don't know if anybody else is in my matziv. I may have mentioned this in the past. I have ADD. And so my mind has a tendency to wander. Anyway, so if I dive in slow, forget about it. And I did that for years. I used to, I used to dive in a Shemun Esra uh, over an hour because my, my mind would just keep drifting. And I, and I had to come back and remember where I was and what I was doing. So I asked a number of people for an Eitzah. I mentioned this earlier that you asked people for an Eitzah. And the Eitzah they gave me was, move it along. Move fast enough before your mind has a chance to wander away. And so I daven faster than almost anybody, almost anybody else in the minyan of my daven in Eretzel. In America, very often I'm bringing up the rear, depending on which show I'm in. But uh, you got to keep it going. Keep it moving. That's That has been my own personal experience. And the more that you keep it moving, so to speak, the better off you're going to be and being able to keep your focus. Keep your focus on what you're doing, right? Okay, so um, when you're going through, and we're going to go through the davening, it's worthwhile to do it with the machser that you're going to be using because there are certain points that are more important than other points, and you have to try to focus on that. And you have to keep your focus because I can't, can't do everything. I'll be realistic. Right? If you're not yeah, if you're not used to doing this for many years. Okay, so let's talk about the structure of the tefillas. Rosh Hashanah, you're going to have a mayriv, you're going to have a shachris, you're going to have a musaf, and you're going to have a mincha. The amida for mayriv, shachris, and uh, mincha are all exactly the same. Musaf is the long, longest amida of the entire year. Because there are 10 psukim on Malchios, 10 psukim on Zechronis, and 10 psukim on Shaifas. And so the whole thing takes a very long time. When you do Chazar Shashats, it takes even longer because of all the piyutim that they add in. Um, I've never davened in a Sephardic Rosh Hashanah, but they tell me it goes much faster. They don't have a lot of the piyutim. They don't have a lot of the piyutim. And uh, was, this is what I was told, and I, I don't want to run the limb, but they do some of the tekiahs during the silent Shemona Esrei. So their Rosh Hashanah davening is much shorter. 
I have a I have a classic shear of mine called Why Be Jewish. You can find it online. I'm sure done it many times. Probably my 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 most go-to um, share that I give, especially for new audiences. And um, uh, I gave it once in a Swartic school. And it, part of it there is I do a whole thing on the Sanatoka, who will live and who will die. And, and they had no idea what I was talking about. They don't say the Sanatoka. <laughs> you don't say the Sanatoka. <laughs> I told this story before, but like when I was growing up, I didn't speak Yiddish. My parents, it was their secret language. And I went to yeshivas that either touched into English or into, or into Ivrit. So I never learned, uh, I never learned Yiddish, you know. And you'd, you'd meet older Yidin in the old generation, and they'd start talking to you in Yiddish. And I'm saying, sorry, I don't speak Yiddish. You don't speak Jewish? But you're a Jew and you don't speak Jewish? You don't speak Jewish? <laughs> So that's what I felt like. You don't say this out of Taikim. Who doesn't say this out of Taikim? You're Jewish. <laughs> so, um, so that's obviously the crescendo. Now, let's go through Myriv, first off. Myriv is the same as every other Myriv for Shabbos and Fiyant. If you dive in like they do here in Eretzel, so then uh, uh, at the end of Hashkivenu, you go right into Kaddish, right? On Erev Shabbos, they don't do the Vashamaru. And uh, so on Rosh Hashanah, they don't do the Tikuba Chodesh, Tikuba, Tikuba Shofar, the. Stop. They don't do the Pasek, Tiko, B'chodesh, Shoifer, B'kezi, Yom Chagenu, Chokiz, Shalhum, Mishpat, Lelke, Yaakov. But if you do, they'll do it over there. They'll do Kaddish. They'll do the Amida. And the Amida on Rosh Hashanah is a little different in that normally the first three brachas are the same. The last three brachas are the same. And, uh, and in the middle it changes on a, on a, on a Yontif. Right, the middle brach is different. Here, the Atar Kadosh changes. So that itself changes. Yeah, there's a much longer Atar Kadosh. And of course, it ends HaMelech HaKadosh, instead of HaKel Kadosh. So, uh, but we get to this from the Esrei. You say, uh, you, at the end, you just say one little capital. Um, obviously, the Shabbos, and you say Vayichulu, and uh, otherwise, you just say the capital, the David right? And uh, you say that, and then you say Aleinu, and you say the David Hashem So, except for the for the Amida, right? It's the same as the Ma'ariv during any other time during Elul, right? Uh, obviously, if you add in the Tikka B'Chadash so that's you know. Uh, a little extra addition. Otherwise, it's like basically the same. That's Meirif. Shachris is like 
any other Shabbos or Yantif Shachris. Um, I should say Yantif, right? Because unless it's Shabbos, then you, you don't do Kel Adam, right? So you have the Yantif Sukhari Zimra, say the same thing. The only difference is you don't start at Shochen Ad, you move a little bit beforehand and you start at Hamelech. Otherwise, it's, it's the same. The language over there in what would be Shochen Ad changes a little bit because normally by the Ashkenazim, yeah, which spells out Yitzchak. And on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we change it around so the last one spell out Rivka. But otherwise, it's more or less the same. And then you have Birchus Kriyashma, which, again, if it's a weekday, is the same as any other weekday. And you end with Mecha And then you say the Amida, the same one that you said at night. And uh, if you're in a minion, obviously, you say Chazar Sashatz. There's no Halel. There's Kriyas Taira Again, if you're in a Shul, with the Haftaira. And then there's Takiyah Shaifa. And they do the first 40 uh, kolos. And then they start Chazar Sashatz. Chazar Sashatz starts, of course, with a Hindani, with Shlich Tzibor asks for Shus to add extra things into the davening. And you do Chazar Sashatz with a number of piyutim that are added in. But otherwise, you can find Chazar Sashatz spelled out. Um, Part of the um, part of the Musaf is Aleinu. And when you do this on Rosh Hashanah in Shul, the men actually bow at Aleinu. They do what's called the Yikud, which is like what you see the Muslims do, where they bow their head down to the ground on their knees. Um, and uh, they go through Musaf, sprinkled throughout Musaf, is more Tekiyah Shaifa. And then uh, the end of davening is like every other Shabbos. There's Enkel Okeinu, there's, uh, there's Aleinu, there's uh, Shir Shalyom, David Hashem Ori, and they finish up the Devon Hagim where you finish it up, and they finish up the last of the Tekiyahs. That is Shachris Musaf. That's the Seder. Mencha, like Mencha of any other Shabbos slash Yontif. You do Ashrei of Olitzion. If it's Shabbos, you have Kriya Satira. If not, you go right into your Amida, which is the same as the one you said in Mayriv, and the same as the one you said in Shachris. And at the end, you say Olenu. That's it. That is the structure of the davening. So if you're not taking into account the piyutim, the davening is not much different than the davening you used to. The tunes are different, to be sure. Uh, There are certain other additions and changes that go on, but that's essentially the structure. So we're going to look at more of this as we proceed, but I wanted to at least start by giving you the structure of how to go about it 
and the Mitzvahem in the uh, in the uh, discussions to come. We'll go into more detail and hopefully talk about how to make it uh, more meaningful for you. And that's it for this week. If you want to find out more about the show, you can go to my website, RabbiLowski.com. You can leave comments. You can ask questions. You can uh, sponsor an episode. And uh, there is an option over there to go to RabbiLowski slash music because someone asked me, how can I get the theme song to put it on my podcast? And there's a place over there. Um, I don't really know because... Uh, I'm, I'm not that savvy, but um, if, you, if you know how to maneuver around a website, there's a place over there where you can uh, go to uh, Revealowski slash music, I think it is. Revealowski.com slash music, something like that. Anyway, and uh, that's it. That's it for this episode. I'm David Olavsky, and this is the Revealowski Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Torah and Simcha, ready to go. The Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Knowledge and wisdom will help you grow. Lots of fun in every episode. And we don't have to rhyme. No, we don't. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. On RabbiOrlovsky.com. Torah, anytime. It's Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Torah and Simcha, ready to go. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Till next time, till we meet again. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Show.